has also got you started on an art project, taken up cross-stitching, or have you given in to that painting-by-numbers trend? No matter what level of art sanity you've reached, I encourage you today to pick up your paintbrush and brace yourselves as we learn how to paint our hospitals green. Welcome to another episode of the Global Health Chat. I'm Tara, the Editor-in-Chief of the AMSA Journal of Global Health. And in today's discussion, we'll be exploring ways in which we can make our hospitals more eco-friendly. Joining me in unpacking this topic, we have our Code Green reps, Roberta and Georgia. <laughs> and a quick disclaimer, this episode was not intended to induce eco-anxiety. It's instead a celebration of the steps some of our local hospitals have taken toward environmental sustainability. So without further ado, Roberta and Georgia, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Tara. So to paint some personality into these names, I thought we could start off with a little trivia. We're <laughs> all well aware that recycling does all sorts of wonders for our planet, but sometimes it's difficult to grasp the impact of individual actions. So in light of that, here's our first question. This one's for you, Georgia. So recycling just one aluminium can could save you enough energy to run a TV. Can you hazard a guess as to how much television time we could get out of just this one can? Ooh, okay. So a single can. Uh, I think uh, thinking of a one can, that's that's quite small. That's not a whole lot of metal there. Mm. So probably, I don't think it's, it's much more than one hour of screen time, surely. But three hours, which honestly, oh I'm not by. Like you said, it's a can. It's literally an itty bitty can. And while we're on that number three, Georgia, can you tell me three things about yourself? Sure. I'm Georgia. I'm a med student at the University of Newcastle. Uh, I really love the outdoors from hiking to scuba diving. And relating this to Co Green, I really value the biodiversity we have around us. I want to protect it as much as possible. Aww. And you alluded to Code Green as well then. Obviously, Code Green would be incomplete without your partner in crime. So, Roberta, <laughs> let me just give in a quick trivia question for you. Too. How long do you think it takes for styrofoam to decompose? <laughs> Look, I'm going to assume that it's a very, very long time, and these sort of materials tend to take I mean, hundreds of years. Mm. So let's say with the number three, let's go with the number three. So it's 300 years. 300 years? That's your yeah, final answer? That's my final answer. Well, I'm here to top that with 500 years. It takes 500 years Bad. for styrofoam to Whoa. break. Down. Don't be too nervous there, Roberta. I'm not going to get you to list out 500 facts about yourself. Thank God. (laughs) Would you mind maybe giving our listeners at home a little insight into who you are and also while you're at it, what Code Green is all about? Absolutely. So hi, everyone. I'm Roberta. I'm a fourth year medical student from Manash University. And today I'll take a history from you. No, Um, (laughs) (laughs) I am really passionate about the environment like Georgia. Um, And I come from Italy. Um, So I came to Australia five years ago and absolutely fell in love with everything about it, but especially its nature. There's just so much diversity and uh, it's just so beautiful, which really made me want to get involved with climate change advocacy and made me want to get involved with Code Green. So talking about Code Green, um, it's a platform for Australian medical students to respond to our planet's health and climate emergency. And we're one of AMSA Global Health's projects 
And we really just aim to advocate, educate, and engage students on the health challenges posed by climate change. Yeah. And so you you mentioned our planet's health there. I want to pause on that for a moment and explore that in light of COVID-19. So our focus in the past month or so has been to flatten that curve. Um, and with that, obviously, takeout has played a huge role in keeping our taste buds satisfied and also keeping businesses alive. But the packaging our food comes in it's accumulating. And to add to that, we're getting increased restrictions across all our waste and recycling centers. So what are your thoughts on this? That's a really good question. Um, I guess one of the things that you can do is that if you want to take takeout, one of the good things that you can do is basically upcycling uh, the boxes and the waste that you're using. So I think also we, we would usually ask for people to bring their own containers and cutlery, uh, but that's a little bit questionable at the moment with the infection risk with coronavirus. Good point. Uh, so obviously be really respectful if you're thinking of doing that because we don't want to put our local businesses at increased risk of infection and we don't want to put ourselves at increased risk of infection either but I guess when we're talking about takeaway food and and food sustainability uh, obviously like eating at home is more sustainable than takeaway food but we do want to support local businesses as well so if you are going to order yeah a bit of a dilemma as, as things usually are so if you are going to order takeaway food try and make that as local as you know in season as possible yeah so Tara, it's interesting that you brought up this idea or this conundrum i guess of, of food waste and packaging waste because recently with with coronavirus what we've seen is that the massive use of single-use medical waste has been quite a big topic of discussion in the healthcare sector mm-hmm. and obviously most of these measures are very necessary in this case because there's this big infection risk uh, but unfortunately they still add to this conundrum of hospital waste yeah. so that's why one of our main goals for this year with AMSA Co Green is to look at how to make our very own healthcare system in Australia more sustainable. All right. So could you quickly explain what it means to make our healthcare system more sustainable? Of course. So the World Health Organization defines an environmentally sustainable health system as one that improves, maintains or restores health while minimizing negative impacts on the environment and leveraging opportunities to restore and improve it to the benefit of the health and well-being of current and future generations. So within the healthcare system, uh, environmental sustainability occurs when resources are used as efficiently as possible without compromising the quality of care for patients. That is absolutely right, Georgia. And, you know, we already know that our healthcare system is under strain right now and how hard healthcare workers are working at the moment with the extra pressures of a global pandemic. So we really didn't want to talk about doom and gloom as a climate change can often be. Um, but instead, focus on the really amazing things that hospitals around Australia are already doing to make their facilities more green. We're really, really keen to celebrate the sustainability successes in healthcare and share some of the solutions that are being championed across the country. Yeah. And I guess before we go into these solutions, you know, from an environmental standpoint, what is our current situation in our hospitals? Yeah, great question. So a lot of us have heard time and time again about how Australia has a really high carbon emission per capita and some sectors like the fossil fuel industry, uh, the transport sector and the agricultural industries are known to contribute a large amount to the total carbon output. But we don't often think about the health sector. So the health sector is actually one of the top five industries in Australia by revenue and it's the industry that employs the most people. So it's, it's a massive industry 
industry in our country and the healthcare sector is actually responsible for 7% of Australia's carbon emissions. It's sometimes really hard to conceptualise these percentages. So to crunch the numbers, that's approximately 39 million tonnes of carbon dioxide every year that the healthcare sector is contributing. Man. So that's that's huge. Yeah. yeah. But that that's still, you know, that's still a big number that it's hard to wrap your head around. So mm. to put this really into perspective, that's actually more than the entire yearly carbon footprint of Cuba. No way. Oh Cuba? <laughs> like a whole so, country? Yeah, so we have countries currently on Earth that have smaller yearly carbon footprint than Australia's healthcare system alone. That's insane. So, you know, like it's, it's not insignificant. And when we're talking about the carbon footprint of a hospital, it comes from products and technologies that are being used as well as the resources that are being consumed uh, and also the buildings that are being constructed and operated within, the waste that's being generated and the land footprint of the healthcare facility. Yeah, talking about waste actually, um, literally anyone who's been on placement ever can testify to the fact that hospitals produce so much waste. And um, just to put that into data, in 2017 and 18, public health facilities in Victoria alone produced 36,000 tons of waste, which is the equivalent of over 3.5 kilos per patient. So it actually includes a lot of things. If you think about, you know, single use equipment and excessive packaging, or just like simply paper that is needed for administrative use. Wow, yeah. You guys have definitely highlighted the issues and the flaws in our current systems. But you also did allude to earlier on, you know, some eco-solutions hospitals have started to implement. Yeah, absolutely. So what we want to talk about in this podcast is actually talking about some concrete examples of healthcare facilities in Australia that are currently making really remarkable, sustainable changes. So one of the first things that comes to mind when we're thinking about the amount of resources that we use in hospital, uh, maybe the amount of paper that we're using, that's often quite a visible thing, mm. um, you know, for, for paper with admin tasks, with health records, and also just signage everywhere on all the walls and the doors. And the MARTA Hospital Network in Australia started making some changes in 2010 about how they use paper. Yeah. So simple changes such as switching to default duplex printing. So that's printing on both sides of the page of paper rather than just one side. Uh, and changing to recycled and then carbon neutral paper are really, really simple, but easy and cost-effective changes that they make. Tara, have a ballpark guess at how many pieces of paper they've saved from 2010 for the five years following that. Okay, so 2010 to five years. Okay, so five years, we've got five. I'm gonna do a bit of math here. So we've got five. There's 365 days in a year. Let's round that up to 400. So five times 400, 2,000. And like maybe say they use like about 20 pieces of paper. Let's let's call it 50 pieces of paper a day. Um, was I at 2,000? Yep, 2,000 times 50 is, can someone help me out here? Um, I'm doing medicine for a reason. It's definitely not math. Um, 2,000, 20,000, 10,000. 10,000 pieces of paper. There we go. You go, girl. Nailed it. You did it. I don't even know if that was right, but that's my estimate. Locked in. Look, really solid effort and massive respect for actually trying to, you know, calculate the number. Unfortunately, you're, you're a little bit low off the mark um, because by mid-2015, the network had saved over seven 
million pieces and they actually reduced their paper purchases by 32%. And that also, they did some calculations with this and it also meant that their carbon footprint just from A4 paper usage dropped from 85 tonnes of CO2 before 2010 to zero. Nada. Yeah. Yeah. No carbon emissions from paper anymore because they're using carbon neutral paper and they're minimising their paper use. Amazing. And not only this, but the hospital network also saved a really substantial amount of money from making these changes, which can be re-injected back into resources for patient care. Have a guess, Tara, at how much money they've saved. Look, I save about like a dollar when I print double-sided. So I feel like we can add a a dollar times 10,000. I think 10,000 is a good number. Um, Let's give it about times it by three for good luck. So $30,000? Look, fair estimate. So we're talking about paper changes alone. And from these changes, over four to five years, the MARTA network saved $60,000. My guesses aren't really getting any close today, are they? (laughs) They're big numbers though, you know, that's a huge saving. And to put that into perspective, that money that they've saved is the equivalent of 150 hemodialysis sessions for patients wow. with end-stage renal disease. And this is this is just from changing their printing habits. So this is like the lowest hanging fruit in a hospital system when we're talking about sustainable changes. So you can see that sustainability in healthcare, it doesn't have to be this really super complicated set of solutions or that it doesn't have to take essential funds away from patient care. Yeah, seems like very simple shifts can make significant impact. Yeah, yeah. And there's, you know, many hospitals that are making, you know, very similar efforts, but also in very different areas. So Western Health, for example, which is a hospital in Victoria, in 2016, they decided to do something relatively similar, but um, with the other end of the spectrum. So with surgical equipment waste, which is quite hard to get rid of. So the way it usually works is that hospitals produce two kinds of waste, general waste. So, you know, paper, food food, etc., and clinical waste, like surgical equipment. So single-use metal instruments are usually processed by hammer mill and crushed, and then they're chemically decontaminated. And then once that's done, they're sent to a landfill and incinerated. So a lot of the healthcare practitioners working at Western Health totally agreed that throwing out perfectly good metal instruments after only one use was an incredible way. So they looked into it and realized that while sterilizing the materials and reusing them was way too expensive and resource intensive as well. Recycling the steel in these instruments were made was totally possible. So the great thing about steel is that it's 100% recyclable. In fact, it's one of the most recycled materials in the world. To make things better, making steel out of single-use metal instruments actually uses 75% less energy than making it from scratch. So there are metal recycling facilities that will gladly take these instruments off hospitals' hands. So what clinicians and nurses did at Western Health, which is, by the way, a big metro hospital with like 700 beds, is that they disposed of scissors in a selected bin on the ward, which once full um, was cleaned in a local pan sanitizer, which is sort of like a big dishwasher that sanitizes thing and then taken to a central location where these scissors were collected by the same staff that usually take sharp spin and then one piece equipment uh, was emptied into a wheelie bin on a uh, loading dock and it was picked up by either metal scrapyards or metal recyclers and that was it so this this initiative 
is incredibly inspiring because reducing this kind of waste doesn't just have environmental benefits. So first of all, the incineration of clinical waste can result in harmful emissions of chemicals like mercury and dioxin, which really poses an air pollution risk. But on top of that, in Australia, clinical waste can be up to 10 times more expensive to get rid of than general waste. So by reducing the amount of general waste, hospitals will often face significant financial benefits on top of just being environmentally friendly. Wow, that's incredible. And and this is a reoccurring theme I'm seeing in this sort of initiative. You know, a lot of the time, sustainability and going green, it's considered quite idealistic. The sort of cause that does not take into consideration financial or pragmatic aspects of business models, such as your hospitals. However, what we see over and over again is that hospitals end up saving lots of money by going green. Yeah, there are so many co-benefits and it just makes this area have so much potential. And with another example from Western Health in Victoria, they've made a whole range of sustainable changes to their hospital, which is really super cool. And as Roberta's discussed, operating theatres are a bit of a goldmine for opportunities to be sustainable. And on the other side of the drapes, uh, this hospital's actually considered the impact of anaesthetic gases. Again, this isn't something that you'd ever think of when you're talking about, you know, healthcare sustainability. No, you don't. You think of like the tangible stuff, like the yeah. paper, the face masks. Yeah, all the, all the really physical materials yeah. that you can see. And it's funny because there's actually this growing body of evidence coming out of Australia and the rest of the world about just how impactful anaesthetic gases are on, on the climate. Mm. And they're actually quite a big contributor with the hospital carbon footprint. And so the, the way this kind of works and how this factors in, for example, the anaesthetic gases, there's blue rain uh, and nitrous oxide uh, these are two gases that can be used for anesthesia and these both have really large global warming so, they now? okay yeah so basically they have a large potential when they're released into the atmosphere to contribute quite a large amount to the greenhouse effect that we're seeing so nitrous oxide uh, kind of does this in in two ways and one of those ways is that it directly depletes ozone molecules in the atmosphere under UV light and so it actually it reacts with the ozone molecules and and splits it so it's no longer an ozone molecule which means that it's gradually depleting the ozone layer basically oh okay. yeah yeah and this is this is actually equation an equation most of us would have learnt in high school chemistry. So, okay. you know, like N2O reacting with O3, you know, splitting the ozone <laughs> molecule. Yeah, no, for real, it's in the I'm curriculum. I'm you can recall that. I, it's, it's when, when I saw it, I was like, oh, <laughs> we did that. That's the same gas. Anyway. That's bringing up some memories that I did not want to. No, traumatic flashbacks. <laughs> we'll leave that in the past. <laughs> anyway, it's, it's a... Der- it's a, it directly depletes ozone molecules, which is the main takeaway here. And, and desflurane, one of the other gases, uh, that's also a greenhouse gas with a high global warming potential. Global warming to potential is a term that's thrown around when we're talking about carbon emissions, basically comparing the impact of gases to contribute to the greenhouse effect uh, and, and thus like warm the globe uh, compared to carbon dioxide as kind of like a baseline. So we know carbon dioxide is, is bad, it's a greenhouse gas, it contributes to climate change, but there's all these other gases as well that do that and do that to a greater extent than carbon dioxide. So for example, one tonne of desflurane emitted into the atmosphere The greenhouse gas effect of that one tonne of desflurane gas that is emitted, that's that's got the global warming potential 
equivalent to 3,714 tonnes of carbon dioxide. So 3,000 tonnes of carbon dioxide have the same greenhouse gas effect to one tonne of desflurane. So desflurane is a really potent greenhouse gas. That ratio is insane. Yeah, it's wow. huge. And, and for reference, one of the gases that we often talk about as being really potent is, is methane. Uh, and that's, that has a, an equivalent of 80 to 86 tonnes of CO2. Mm. So still, you know, still a, a lot more than CO2, but it's not nearly as large as this, this anaesthetic gas. Dead's blue rain yeah, has, has this huge, huge impact. Yeah. And actually in clinical practice, these gases can be switched over pretty easily to other gases, uh, such as another one called sevofluorane uh, and propofol. And there's actually no evidence to suggest that these gases have different clinical effects or benefits. Uh, so switching the gases should make no difference to the patient outcome, uh, but a huge impact positive impact uh, for the environment. And there's also a health argument for doing this because these waste anaesthetic gases can actually be harmful to staff if they're not properly exhausted out of the operating theatre. So what Western Health did is that they switched their anaesthetic gases to avoid the use of nitrous oxide and desflurane. And if these gases were being used, they were used at a lower flow rate, which is both more efficient, but also more economical. And this didn't require any more staff training, just clinicians voluntarily changing their practice after hearing about some presentations on the topic. Amazing. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, purely voluntary change here. And through the consequential decreased use of these two gases, desflurane and nitrous oxide, the hospital saved 140 tonnes of carbon dioxide per year over four years. So I guess that's another number and it's hard Mm. to conceptualise that. So to put that into perspective, that's the equivalent of 36 return flights from Melbourne, Australia to London in the UK every year. Wait, oh wait, wait, to God. London. <laughs> Is that not like a full day of flights? Like, no way. <laughs> We're, we're talking, you know, over 20 hours of flight time there. Oh they saved that amount of carbon dioxide, 36 international return flights wow. to London. Insane. Huge. And there was, there was also a huge financial benefit too. Uh, and <laughs> Yeah. And, and they saved roughly $35,000 per year. Yeah, and another component of hospital waste that isn't really commonly thought of is food waste. So some studies estimate that it might contribute to up to 50% of all waste that is produced within a hospital, which is huge. Wow. Yeah. 50%. Yeah, yeah. So Mater Hospital in Brisbane decided to take this matter in their own hands by switching to a different food service system. So most hospitals go by a traditional, fully manual tray line system where patients usually complete their menus, uh, the menu's choice the day before the meal, and the food is delivered at standard meal times. So with this system, not only there are a lot of unconsumed meals by patients, but there's also many, many late de- uh, meal deliveries required as a result of patients not completing a menu or changes to diet codes and sometimes 
also late hospital admissions. So Mater Hospital decided to implement a room service system, which you might have guessed it's just like in hotels, which is great. So patients, yeah, patients can order from an a la carte menu between 6 a.m. and 7 p.m. through an electronic food management system, hashtag Fancy, and the meal is prepared fresh and delivered in 45 minutes on demand. So it sounds really weird that this would save anything environmentally or financially, but it does with both. So the system significantly reduced kitchen waste by reducing the bulk cooking and the forecasting because now chefs would know exactly how much food to cook and wouldn't have to try and predict how much they would need to cook. And on top of that, the electronic food management system really allowed the change to change the menu as required, introducing the possibility to cook with seasonal produce, which again, seriously decreased the food costs. Mm. So the results have been absolutely astounding. And Tara, another trivia question for you. Oh no. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, taking your own medicine. Um, so try and guess how much they've saved per year. Look, I'm going to chuck another 30000 because yeah, that's kind of always what you a do, good. right? Yep. Yes. So not too close this time. Um, no. Mater Hospital has saved three hundred thirty thousand dollars in food costs alone. That's and crazy. And the crazy thing is that on top of that, they've actually been able to provide food that is better for patients. So they found that the protein and energy intake of their diets was actually much better. So double win. Yeah, honestly, this sounds a lot more gourmet to our you know classic hospital food. Yeah, it's better. Yeah. Yes, gourmet, environmentally friendly, financially advantageous. I'm sure patients are not complaining about this at all. I'm honestly astounded by these numbers, can I just say. They really do help quantify the impact, you know, slight systemic shifts can have on our environment. I'm wondering though, hospitals are populated with patients, so do they have a part to play here? Yeah, great question. So besides obviously the logistics of, of working with patients who you know, are in the hospital often for a pretty good reason. But there's no reason sustainability at the hospital can't be fun and include the patients as well. And what was actually the case in Sydney Children's Hospital Network, uh, they ran a week-long awareness campaign called Kids War on Waste in 2018. Ooh. Yeah, across their That's facilities, um, which in, included events and activities uh, to promote waste reduction and recycling initiatives to involve all the kids that were patients at the hospital and their families and carers. And the auditing that they did revealed that on average, 50% of what could be found in the clinical waste bins could have been disposed of in the general waste bins or even recycled. And that was really important to find because as Roberta's mentioned before, clinical waste disposal is often a lot more expensive than general waste disposal. Right, okay. So these kids and staff that were involved in the Kids War on Waste Week, they had info stalls in the foyers, they had a waste-themed fashion parade and competition. (laughs) Find me up. It sounds sounds like a blast. Uh, They had fun recycling sessions in the hospital school uh, and the respite starlight rooms. They had online promotions with targets and statistics. They had staff doing team talks and waste and recycling presentations from contractors with the health facilities. Um, And they actually made a video as well with kids from the hospital school. Oh, oh my God. That is so wholesome. Yeah, super wholesome. And they put together this schedule of events and activities and this was circulated to 
all the wards, uh, included on the patient meal trays. There were posters printed out in the staff areas, in the lifts, and also in staff emails. And it was a huge success and it garnered a really large engagement from both the staff, the patients and their carers and families. And since the kids were on race, there's been an increased interest in ward recycling initiatives uh, and also more long-term success that's currently being measured through follow-up audits. Uh, and they've also had this, this big explosion of other initiatives that they're doing following on from this as well. So they've, they've created this huge mobile phone, battery and toner cartridge recycling program. They've diverted almost eight tonnes of theatre items from landfill. Oh my God. It's huge. They've reallocated 60 beds that were going to go to landfill. They instead donated those to a Fijian hospital in need. That's amazing. They also have rolled out a new initiative called the PVC Recycling Plan. And this is super wholesome. And what it does is it collects IV bags, tubing and masks that were previously sent to landfill. And these were instead recycled and used for products such as garden hoses and the outdoor children's playground equipment on site. Oh my God, that's That's honestly incredible. Like, you know, that goes to show medicine really is a mix between science and art. It's really through creativity that we can repurpose like medical equipment to gardening tools. Like what? (laughs) Like this truly reflects reflects the limitless capacity of the human imagination. And, you know, speaking of imagination, I think as medical students, our ideas, they often remain ideas and we often feel underqualified to take action or uncertain as to how we can contribute. So, you know, in the pursuit of greening our hospitals, where do we as medical students fit into this? That's an excellent question because I feel as medical students, we often feel like we cannot really do much especially in a hospital where you know we're pretty much observing and not participating even with care how can we possibly participate with making that hospital more sustainable but actually medical students have a pretty unique role in the healthcare sustainability and that's because placements get us to move from one hospital to another and that gives us the possibility to see and compare how every hospital deals with huge things such as waste management and emissions and that's where we can really compare and see how every hospital is doing and get new ideas. That's a valid point. Yeah, and for this reason, this year we're planning to create local advocacy groups where we put in touch keen students with doctors in their area who are experienced with advocating for healthcare sustainability and have been involved in initiatives before. So in this way, students can themselves initiate some activities with the collaboration of other healthcare practitioners and make the change that they would like to see on their placements. So if you are interested in something like that and you're really, really keen on making that change, definitely make sure to contact Georgia or I or your uni code green rep if this is something that you would like to get involved with. Or you can also get in touch with Doctors for the Environment Australia or your representatives at the university because they will definitely get you in touch with the relevant people too. Yeah, definitely worth tuning into the Code Green Facebook page and you know what's going on in there. You know, every week there's just new articles being posted in there. I'm learning so much. It just makes me so excited to want to actually take action and you know do something about that. The one incredible opportunity that you can get around to this year actually is our Greening Hospital Hackathon, which will be play take place in July online. If you're not really familiar with what a hackathon is, picture Shark Tank. Ooh, okay, all right. Yeah, in a similar way, we have several interdisciplinary teams of students from each university collaborating to brainstorm 
brainstorm, prototype, and pitch their ideas on how to make healthcare more sustainable. So these ideas are presented to a panel of judges, and the winning idea could potentially get developed by one of our sponsors. Wow, that's exciting. We're so excited about this. But it's not all. On top of that, the hackathon will have a great focus on learning and upskilling. So we're planning to actually hold masterclasses taught by experts in a number of fields, such, you know, as prototyping or sustainability or product development. And then we're selecting mentors that will guide each team through the experience and they will have experience in promoting sustainability in hospitals. So there'll they'll be people with lots and lots of hands-on experience in the field. So with climate change, it's really, really easy to feel like what we do as individuals is only a drop in the ocean and nothing we do really matters in the big picture. But with this hackathon, what we really want to do is to change that. We want students to feel like their ideas aren't just heard, but needed. The healthcare sector really needs your ideas, and this is the perfect chance to, to be heard and make a true, tangible difference. I'm honestly so excited for this hackathon, hearing about it, all these masterclasses and what's going on. But, you know, July is still a while away. We got you. So for now, we 100% recommend that you get behind the National Climate Rally, which this year will be online and it will be on the 15th of May. So really, really soon. So make sure that you follow Amsa Cook Rain on Instagram and on Facebook. Share a picture of yourself holding up a sign with the message, I'm rallying it from home uh, for a healthier climate future. Or, you know, make your own sign if you'd like. And use the hashtag climate changes health and tag AMSA code green to show your support. And then on the day, we'll also post more material you can use to tangibly advocate for climate action. And we will uh, we will join the School Strike for Climate interactive live stream and really all get together and advocate for a healthier climate future. Definitely. And I'm really excited because, you know, unlike previous times where, you know, you were in Melbourne, maybe Georgia was in Sydney, I was in Gold Coast. This time we can all march in a united fashion all online. I think we can really take advantage of this opportunity to have this climate rally online and the impact can be really immense. So I'd really encourage you to definitely join, definitely like the AMSA Code Green Instagram and Facebook as well. Well, I'm honestly gobsmacked by the numbers you guys have put out there today. And, you know, if there's anything I've learned, if, you know, you can save money while saving the planet. You know, I just want to thank you guys for taking the time today to chat and give us a little bit more insight into what it means to paint our hospitals green. Thank you, Tara. Thanks, Tara. reached the end of another episode of the Global Health Chat. If there's a topic you'd like to discuss or a topic you'd like us to explore, please get in touch. Thank you so much for tuning in and as always, stay safe, stay social, lead distanced and see you next time.